What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of black, LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. My name is Ashley. I'm here with a special guest today. We have Mr. Ben Carlton, the infamous Mr. Bill Carlton from Philly. Uh, Ben, I'll go ahead and let you tell the people who you are, give them a little background. Yes, yes. Philly, Philly is where I am from, 215-267. Excited uh, to be on this show. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the voices that you were lifting up. And especially thank you for considering little old me to be on the show. <laughs> um, I, uh, again, originally from Philly, but um, after high school, uh, moved to Florida, attended the illustrious Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University, uh, the highest of seven hills, number one HBCU in the nation. I went to Howard, so let's, uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> you know, don't ruin the interview. We just got started, and here you go wanting to <laughs> down uh, already. Uh, yeah, H who? But anyway, you know, we won't, we, we'll save that for HBCU the, family. We family. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I liked you. Um, and similar to you, I have a, a background in business uh, and communications. Um, started my career out um, with JP Morgan and Pricewaterhouse. And then um, shortly after I realized that wasn't the road for me. So I co-founded um, with uh, Trabian Shorters and Sarah uh, Maltador in Miami, Be Me Community, which is the largest social entrepreneurship network for black people in America. And our special sauce is all about how we frame and identify the people um, who we are trying to uplift. And that when we started, it was black men and black people. And so um, most people will try to identify you by your worst deed, by your mistake, by your struggle. We said, no, none of that. We wanna identify you by your strength, your aspiration, your inspiration. What is your gift? Why are you here? Why are you on earth? Let's identify you by that in spite of the challenge you may be facing. And most times that don't even have to do with you, right? We talk about failing kids. We talk about poor grades, but we never talk about the school that's underfunded. We never talk about the teacher that's not equipped. We never talk about the school district that's been left behind. And so we started um, training and teaching organizations about asset framing and identifying people by their inspirations, aspirations, and hopes. And that is what essentially led me to come out and be myself because I was traveling the country telling people, be yourself, especially black men, don't be ashamed. We gotta be ourselves, show up authentically. Here I was not showing up authentically, um, not showing up who I was. And through the experience of meeting so many positive, affirming black gay males around the country who were business leaders, pastors, barbers, um, uh, 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 coaches, I mean, all over this country, I begin to see myself in their story, which let me know that, hey, it's not so bad on the other side. Hey, everything that they told you about being gay is wrong. <laughs> everything that you've been taught about who you are is absolutely false and you need to face that and begin to live in your truth. And, and that's essentially what led me to uh, where I am today. Awesome, man, that's, that's incredible. Um, so I wanna go back, cause I think 
definitely the way that you've chosen to live out loud and be so bold um, with your story and stand in that truth um, definitely didn't come without cost, right? Um, so let's go all the way back to, you know, your days in Philly, um, you know, and some of the, the early experiences. So the first, like, let's go even back to the first time that you had an experience with um, your sexuality being challenged and being kind of at the forefront. What was that, those first initial experiences for you? Um, I was very, um, I don't know if promiscuous is the right word, but I was uh, sexually interested, I guess we'll say that at a very early age. Um, I didn't know that being gay was wrong or that people thought being gay was wrong until I kissed one of my guy friends in kindergarten. Um, and this was something that all the kids did. We played house, we played whatever, and the girls would kiss the guys and all that. I saw adults kiss each other. So I liked this guy. So I kissed him and all the kids was like, ew, you nasty, I'm telling. I'm like, well, you just did the same thing with her. So why am I nasty? Had no idea. Uh, you know, people say you can't be born this way. No one taught me to be gay. <laughs> I was born this way, child. When the doctor, the doctor slapped me, I said, do it again. You know, Lady Gaga, <laughs> baby, I was born right, this way. Right, right. <laughs> and so uh, that's when I first started to shrink because I realized, I don't know, I didn't know what I did, but I realized that it, the people didn't like it, the kids didn't like it, so I should stop. And then uh, there was one time I was, at a basketball camp and I could not get the ball in the hoop. And the coach began to reprimand me because I was getting frustrated because I couldn't get in the ball in the hoop. He was like, well, what are you, a girl? Stop acting like a girl. And I had heard that before and I was like, well, what, am I a girl? <laughs> why do people keep asking me, am I a girl? Uh, you know, why do people keep commenting on my, me being feminine and me acting like a girl? And so I experienced it at a very, very early age um, because I was very feminine as a, a young boy. Um, my best friend was my girl cousin. I had mostly girlfriends. Um, and so uh, the teasing, you know, started very early. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why they invented a medicine called Ben Gay, but they ruined my life. And <laughs> I write them a very ben, got it. <laughs> this name, all the best are being ridiculed and teased because of you. But it started early. Um, but again, I, I also started experimenting early. Um, uh, so yeah, that was kind of my first encounter wrapped up in a couple of stories. Yeah, so then you, you you talk about, I read the book, got the book. Yes. Yes, yes. indeed, I'm black, I'm a minister and I'm gay. First of all, amazing book I mean you are super transparent super just thorough and talk about experiences that people are extremely uncomfortable talking about and probably some people uncomfortable reading right um but it's real um it's truthful it's uh, authentic I mean transparent like every word you can think of um and I, you're also very careful about trying to preserve people's um likeness and image right Absolutely. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, and I, I just think it's a great book. So um, I want to talk about just like your journey. So you're a kid, you're kind of growing up and, you know, people are telling you're, you're learning about all these um, predetermined narratives as you describe them. Um, and 
you're like, but these don't feel like who I am, but I guess this is how I should act because everyone's having this like adverse reaction to me just being myself. Um, So you talk about like the feeling of being isolated and like how that feels when you feel like you have to live as, you know, as a, as a teenager, as a kid, these are the most formative years um, and feeling isolated because who you feel like you are is not who you can outwardly be. Talk about like unpacking that feeling of isolation at such a young age. Wow. Um, You know, we are very resilient. Black people are resilient. More specifically, Black queer people are very resilient. We come up in environments, not all of us, but most of us have this experience of coming up in environments where we are not valued where we are told to either man up or, you know, uh, t- uh, uh, tomboys are told to, you know, act like a girl, put on a dress. Um, and most people with who, they're not intentional in the harm that they cause, but don't realize that you are literally uh, building a life of shame for that child. And that's exactly the life that I, uh, you know, had to build around, right? I had to be the best student in the midst of shame. I had to be the best child in the midst of shame. I had to, you know, put on my best face in the midst of shame. Um, Literally every day, ashamed of who I was because people didn't accept it. Ashamed of who I was because my parents frowned upon it. Ashamed of who I was because the church said it was wrong and I was gonna burn for an eternity because of it. It was very difficult. uh, trying to find a place and space of belonging. Uh, like I said, I felt most comfortable with my uh, best friend who was my cousin where I could literally just let my hair down and be myself. Outside of that space, I never felt safe. I put on a face, right? I pretended to be a happy kid. Um, I was surrounded by loving people who just didn't know how to handle the unique human being that I was. But that feeling of never feeling safe um, plays with you your entire life. The feeling of shame, if not dealt with, um, never, even after coming out, I still had shame because I didn't deal with the shame. And so um, it took some therapy, it took some undoing, it took some learning about who I really was. Um, And it took getting rid of all of the masks that I had to put on um, uh, to, face society and reality. And there were many, many masks. I was always, uh, because I I had very good grades, um, I was always placed in programs uh, where I was one of the only black faces. So I had to put on a mask for that space. Then when I went to the hood and was with my friends, I had to put on another mask for that space. And when I was in school, Um, I had to put on another mask for the teachers. And when I would visit church, I had to put on a mask for church. So there were so many masks um, that I didn't even know who I really was until I became an adult. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, no, it's it's the journey though. And I think um, uh, I talked to um, another one of uh, my friends who was a guest too. And we talked about the, the challenge of like coming, like it's already as a heterosexual person, people are figuring themselves out, right? Then when you come from an environment of like lack of like self-love and of affirmation and 
all the confidence to go and be who you are on top of the fact that you're gay, right? Like there's, there's like so many levels of like unpacking. And as you refer to them as masks, like you have to kind of assume so many identities that are not you and you can't show up authentically as yourself. Um, so for you in, in navigating that journey, you eventually get older and you have like you, your first relationship, um, that, uh, is, is essentially a closeted relationship with, uh, your first, as you describe it, like your first relationship in your book. Um, talk about that because it's, it, in the book, it, it reads as like your first kind of experience where you felt like a place where you could fully be yourself. Like, this is like, I can like fully be myself. And then as soon as this experience closes now you know you're back to like the mask so talk about like how that was that a freeing experience for you in a sense of like hmm maybe we can start to turn the corner on this or was it just it's something that happened and then you just when it was over kind of went back into the the mask you know uh situation well uh two 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 things happened uh my first real like love relationship was in um, high school with a guy. Um, and the, cr the silly thing is, you know, we both would say this is a phase, we'll get over it. We're just going to enjoy ourselves, enjoy the time. And, you know, we had a really good time, enjoyed ourselves. Um, uh, but it, it came to a point where he didn't want to do it anymore. And so, you know, we broke up. I mean, he went to college and everything. He was two grades ahead of me. Um, and after that, I went back into the shell, went back into the mask. The second um, relationship uh, was in college. And um, I was like deeply, 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 deeply in love. Um, and he was exactly what I needed. Um, someone that truly accepted me for me, saw me for me, built me up knew exactly what to say, when to say it, knew exactly where to be and how to be, knew how to navigate this DL life with no problems, wasn't trying to be public, wasn't trying to go out and enjoy life publicly. I mean, we both had things to lose and both had status and all of that. But he, um, as you read in the book, and for those who want to know why, you have to get the book, he didn't want to be gay anymore either, or do this anymore either, um, you know, wanting to family obligation and that one hurt that hurt so deeply that I couldn't go back to putting on a mask um because was coming into my own becoming that adult and I was actually dating a girl at the same time um I know that's messed up but I mean it's my truth and I actually broke up with her because I was so heartbroken I had no more love to give I had no more energy to put on a show. It was, God, why would you introduce me to such a powerful, powerful love energy and then rip it from me? And at that point I had to figure out, I didn't wanna give my heart to anybody else until I figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And, 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 and I'm the type of person, you know, you give me shame on you, you won't get me again. Absolutely. <laughs> never do another DL relationship because I don't want that same type of heartbreak. And so I stopped dating period until I figured out 
exactly what I wanted. Yeah, that's interesting. And and if you could just like talk a little bit about what that's like to to live essentially on a download, because I think it it's something that gets a, a bad rep and right, understandably so. But I think there's there's always a reason for things, right? Like there's, there's a reason. And if you could just elaborate on what that is and, and for, from your perspective, right? Cause obviously everyone's reasons are different. You talk about a lot of the relationships that you were in and why people do certain things, whether it's, you know, they're a bad relationship or they're married. And like you said, people just have things to lose and different reasons why they do it. But for you, what was that journey like and obviously the heartbreak, but just talk about your experience, um, you know, essentially living on the down low. Well, first of all, I want to say humans are fickle. Yeah. Uh, they say, you know, we hate this DL culture, but then you do everything to force people into the DL culture, right? You don't accept people when they come out. You don't accept people who are gay. You don't, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's like people are selective. If you're a feminine man, yeah, we'll, we'll accept you being gay. You're feminine. But if you are a football star, um, you know, you, you all the ladies love you, they won't accept you being gay. You know, they'll, they'll do all these things to either talk about you, you know, question and doubt your sexuality. You're not really gay. So many people say, you're not, I am. What do you mean? I'm, <laughs> I think this is a trick. What I'm, does that even mean? <laughs> what do you think I'm putting, no, I am gay. I am gay. Right. Um, Think I wear it on my forehead, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I actually have an ebook out called uh, 10 Signs He's Living on the DL. And most people, you know, are like, oh, this is scathing. It really talks to the people who perpetuate DL culture, which is the church, right? There's so many people and, and experiences I've had where pastors will marry gay people knowing full well that they're gay or encourage people to suppress those feelings on full well they're gay. Or you have environments where people say, oh, I'm, I'm open to it, but then the jokes that they tell, the stories that they tell, how they treat people, how they talk about people who are either feminine or women who are masculine identifying, the way they treat other doesn't create an environment that's welcome. So of course, I'm going to live life secretly. And living life on the DL, um, you know, it, it, it's a psychological journey of continual suppression of self. And while many people try to normalize it, there's nothing normal, normal about hiding who you really are. There's nothing normal about insulting the creator and shrinking your beauty, which is you. And so, um, uh, it, it was, it was, okay. It was gruesome, but it was also exhilarating. Like it was like, I would have the hottest guys that all the girls wanted. <laughs> and so that did something for me that put a little something on my, a chip on my shoulder. Like uh, y'all want him, but I got him. Yeah, he's taking you on on a date, but he's coming to pick me up after your date. Um, like it was, it was a badge of honor to be able to bag the hottest guy and nobody know and we live in secret. It was fun as a teenager and in college, but now as an adult, I would hate to live that type of lifestyle, not to be able to love in public and show affection in public and, and display my love for another human being. So 
it has its pluses and minuses, but overall it's toxic and overall it's because of fear and hate and anything that is sourced in fear and hate can't be good. Can't be good. Yeah. No, that 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 totally makes sense. And I like how you talk about uh the scene from um for color girls and understanding when uh, uh I think it's Omari Harwick's character comes out and says he has like HIV and like Janet's like distraught. But like the feeling of, you know, his humanity and like her, the deceit of her and like, you know, all of those things. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's to your point, it, it, it is a there's so many environments that create a reason for people to just not be themselves, not understanding that that's why people live that way. Because if people right. could just, you know, as you described, walk around with your heels on as a five year old and if you could just explore who you are and understand get an understanding of who you are there will be no there will be no such thing as a download culture people wouldn't hide who they are because there'd be no reason to so um people were mad and watching that movie people were mad at omari's character and i was like weeping because i felt for his character um and you know people oh he's bad he's this he's that but if people are real with themselves and the environments that they create, you don't make space for people to be themselves. No. And so they have no other choice but to go into hiding. Um, and I mean, when he was just telling his story, his pain, I was like, wow, that, that, that is me. I've, I've been there. I've been caught. Um, I've, I've confessed, um, you know, uh, and it's, it's gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally, I felt that. And you, you definitely described it well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we, we, we already had this, you know, moment. You went to FAM. I went to Howard. Um, but <laughs> H-U, you know. Um, but I want to talk about uh, LGBT culture at HBCUs. Um, for you, what was just cultural culturally what was it like um for you at fam well uh i was on the dl at fam um uh and i i didn't really explore much at college because i was afraid of being outed um i joined it, it's like you're welcome in groups right you got to find your group the modeling troupe you'll find the gays yeah. um the gospel choir you'll find the gays um the band, you'll find the gays. Um, well, actually, almost anywhere you find. Yeah, we exist everywhere. <laughs> anywhere you everywhere. And uh, there were cliques and places where you felt some type of belonging. That's what I loved about the HBCU community because no matter where you came from, you could even be a black Gothic. You could find some black Gothics on campus. Black Republicans. Black. Oh. <laughs> You could find it on campus. That's what I love about us. We will go, like I said, we're resilient. Mm -hmm. We will go somewhere and find who we are and um, and 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 build community and family. And so uh, prior to coming out, you know, I had my church family, et cetera. Um, but then after coming out, um, uh, you know, just to a couple of people, um, I found that, uh, it wasn't all that bad. 
like we imagine in our heads what life is like and how people receive us. And it wasn't bad at all. People were loving, accepting. Um, you know, you had your, your couple of people who had things to say, but uh, one of the things that I did this last year, 2021, is I um, uh, pursued um, the House of Alpha, Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. I did not pursue in college for a number of reasons. The main one was I was afraid of being outed. And I was like, you know, nobody will whoop my ass. <laughs> um, uh, and so I didn't. But after coming out, I had to face everything that I didn't because I was afraid of being outed. And so um, I wish that I would have been out on campus because I missed out on so much good tea, so much good event. <laughs> Um, because the, the folks that were out lived their life. Yeah. Um, and yes, they were talked about. Yes, people ridiculed them, but they showed up every day and were themselves. Um, we had, you know, um, uh, cross dressers on campus. We had underground things going on on campus. Um, and people really enjoyed their time. And so that's the only one regret I wasn't out on campus. Um, but other than that, you know, the HBCU and even now is becoming more accepting and open and creating space for everybody. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I love and cherish my experience um, going to HBCU and advocate for everyone who is Black of any kind to go have that experience. It's amazing. It's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Um, so you start doing this work um and you leading up to coming out right so you're in the closet essentially up and or not out we'll say um up until this point what are those moments before you so you talk to um i think in the book the first kind of family ally was your sister who you called and was like hey this is what's going on. And she was like, look, okay, now if, if you go on, if you're going to do this, ain't no turning back. Cause I'll, if I have to turn up on somebody, yes. are we doing this or are we not doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like a true black sister, right? Like it's yes. going down, it's going down. If we gay, we gay, let's get it. <laughs> right. So, um, before that conversation, like what was, what was your mindset of, like transitioning from like, I can't do this to calling your sister and saying, I'm gay after all this time. I think you were 26 is when you yeah. kind of came out. Well, first of all, I love your investigative journalism going on right now. <laughs> I love it. Um, so it was my body that finally let me know enough is enough. I was a walking depression, didn't even realize it my skin started changing colors and I broke out terribly. I went to the dermatologist and he was like, well, you're really stressed and you need another job because your job is stressing you out. I'm like, well, I get to travel the world and do what I love. It ain't my job. I knew what it was. Because as I began to face life, you know, you got to be careful what you pray for. <laughs> Man. That's real, especially in your thirties. That is real. Okay, listen. Listen to, me. listen to me. You better watch your words, cause God will show up in a way. Woo. 
And, you know, I was expecting God. So in 2012, I met with my pastor and because I had been in ministry since I was a teenager. And I was like, listen, I have shown up to the nursing homes. I've led the youth. I have cleaned toilets. I have laid hands on the sick. I have been here for prayer. I have let, and God still hasn't answered me about being gay. I'm not doing none of that anymore. I'm not serving in church. And he said, listen, whatever you do, don't leave God. He said, you can leave the church. He said, you can ask God all the questions you want, but don't leave God. And so I asked God, okay, I'm not doing nothing else until you talk to me about me. And in that time span from 2012 to 2014, God showed me what my life could be if I just started living in my truth. And that's when I met the, the gay leaders and politicians and pastors and you know community members. And um, you know the only thing I knew about being gay was perverts and pedophiles um, and freaks at parades. That's the only thing I knew. And you'd be like, how good? Because that's the, the stories you tell become the life that you live and you can't become what you can't see. And I being in church was sheltered and only knew that being gay led you to hell and fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when I started working at JP Morgan, when I started working at Pricewaterhouse, they had these like affinity groups, like women groups, men's group, black group. They had gay groups. And my curiosity peaked and I would sit in the gay meetings and meet these wonderful partners and directors and presidents who were gay and living their best lives with their families. Um, and so uh, the spirit began to deconstruct and strip away all of the negative narrative that made me believe that being gay was wrong. Um, and so, uh, but I still was holding on to, I'm gonna go to hell. <laughs> I <Right>. still <laughs> holding on to, yeah, that's a nice life they're living, but I'm, I don't wanna burn in hell. And that was the stress that caused me to move into a walking depression. And whenever, you know, your body starts talking to you, right? You work, you work, your body says, sit down. You gotta listen to your body. Me being that stressed, I said, something has to give. God, you have to do something about this. And I was laying in my bed and as clear as you can hear me and I can hear you, the spirit said, get up and be who I called you to be. Whoever is supposed to love you will love you. Whoever doesn't just won't. And God didn't say anything about get up and be gay. God didn't say anything about get up and be a gay advocate. God didn't say get up and tell your story. God said, get up and be who I called you to be, which includes being this beautiful black gay man. Um, be everything I created you to be and you'll be all right. And it was that confirming word right after is when I reached out to my sister. And I didn't even say, hey, I'm gay. I just said, I'm ready to tell the world who I really am. And she was like, are you sure? Because mm -hmm. once you go down this path, ain't no turning back. And I don't want to have to beat nobody up. Mm -hmm. Nobody out. Yeah, no, totally. And, and then, you know, <laughs> so right after that, of course, you know, you talk about Thanksgiving dinner and it's like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, that week leading up is like, whoo. <laughs> Who are gonna be sitting on the couch? You try to envision the room. Yeah. You're like, did did so and so said he wasn't coming, so I won't have to have that conversation. Oh man, so talk about like the difference between um your mom's side and your dad's side, yeah. you know, of the family, and then also just like how uh your your conversations with them today. You, you know, you probably don't talk about it much. I think one of us, all of us kind of we. It, it, it happens in milestones where we have to address it. Like there's certain things that happen. Um, like, you know, me, for example, uh, my wife and I, we've been together for a really long time. So there'll be things that'll happen. Like we buy a house and it's like, okay, 
you guys coming to the house for me. You do understand that Ashley and Rochelle bought the house. So Ashley's family's going to be there and Rochelle's family's going to be. So we all understand, like you, you have these moments where you have to address it, but for you after coming out and then, you know, kind of moving forward, how's your relationship with them? So um, I tried not to do the typical Thanksgiving announcement, but I see <laughs> movies and people have typical Thanksgiving announcements. Cause like you said, everybody's there. I don't have to tell this story over and over. Everyone's mm -hmm. And so uh, my dad's side's not that religious. And so I said, well, let me start with them. Um, they, they seem to like they'd be the least judgmental. And it was one conversation I had with my aunt where I was beating around the bush and trying to say I was gay. And she just stopped me. And she was like, say it. I was like, what? She's like, say it. I'm like, and she's smiling. I'm like, what the hell are you smiling for? I'm not smiling. And once I realized what she was trying to get me to do, I said, oh, I've never, ever, ever said without shame, I'm gay. I've never said without embarrassment, I'm gay. And so I said, I'm gay. And I started crying. And after that moment, there was no stopping me. So we went upstairs to where everybody else was and I made the same announcement and I closed with I'm gay and everybody's popping bottles celebrating. <laughs> it was, I was really shocked. And my grandmom, she was like, uh, she was crying. She was like, I don't know what this means, but I love you. Um, um, and uh, she unfortunately passed last year. And then uh, the information slowly leaked to my mom's side of the family. I have a very huge family. My grandmother had 14 kids. My great-grandmother had 11 kids. So it was like thousands of us. And so once something gets leaked, it's out. And so um, my aunts, uh, maybe about five of them called me all on like a five-way, I guess, because they were all on the phone. What is this we hear you about being gay? Uh... I'm gay. I don't want, what do you want me to say? What do you, what is this we hear? We hear truth. Um, well, you know, this is wrong. You're a man of God. And they're grilling me. And, and they were like, have you told your mom? I was like, no. They was like, well, if you don't tell her, we're talking. <gasps> oh, again, they didn't realize the harm that they were doing, but you were literally forcing me out before I even, even ready. Um, and um, another one of my aunts got wind of what they did and she was hot and she started running down their history. They don't remember when they did this. When they, <laughs> they did that and I was like, ooh, I wish I would have known this prior. I would have brought it up on the call. Um, but, uh, he, he who was without sin cast the first stone. <laughs> my, and baby the rap sheets. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I pulled my baby sister in the room with my dad and my mom and you know tell them and my i think my aunts already told my mom because she was already in the mood and wasn't even looking at me and you know we had some very harsh words were exchanged uh if you want to know it's in the book and uh i was heartbroken um because my biological dad is not in my life my mom was really my only you know I was, I'm a mama's boy. Um, we talked every day. You know, there was almost nothing except for my gay lifestyle that she didn't know about me. So to be rejected by her was very, very disappointing. And I was so heartbroken. And I felt 
like an orphan. I felt abandoned. I have nobody to turn to. Now, my stepdad, he was very happy. He was like, you know, be who you are. So glad you can finally be free. Um, you know, uh, you know, your mom will eventually come around. And so we stopped talking for a very long time. Um, I began to look for love in all the wrong places. Um, I was already promiscuous and I even doubly got promiscuous trying to find love and comfort in beds when that wasn't the way to go. Um, and it took years of uh, uh, learning about behavior. Like you said, there's always a reason why people think the way they do. And one of my friends who had come out years prior uh, was like, Ben, you have to give your family time. You have to give them time to adjust. He said, you had years to deal with this. You just gave this to them in 2.5 seconds. And, you know, in a perfect world, arms would have been wide open. We don't live in a perfect world. Right. And I had to give them time and understand why they thought the way they thought. My mom, uh, you know, her, her, her teen in her early 20s was in the 80s when AIDS first hit. And so all her gay friends died mm -hmm. from AIDS. Yeah. So that is her traumatic experience connected to being gay. Um, uh, and so I had to understand where all her fears were sourced at, right? The world doesn't treat gay people too kindly. So I can only imagine her being afraid about her only son being out in the world, being black, being gay. And so once I began to understand the reason why she believed what she believed when she said what she said, I had empathy and forgiveness in my heart and began to be open more around her in front of her. And so, um, you know, she is uh, very supportive of the book. Um, I don't know, we haven't circled back and had a conversation about her beliefs being changed. What I do know is that she would rather her son in her life and not and so instead of, you know, being hostile, instead of being judgmental, uh, you know, she doesn't know, so she just decides to accept that I am who I am and I will be who I will be. And most of my family um, has come to that point. Uh, a lot of them have supported the book, bought the book, come to events. Um, so it takes time to heal things. And we as, people who are on, and unfortunately, we always have to bear the brunt of uh, empathy <laughs> and understanding people is that we can't be so combative and confrontational when uh, uh, people don't get us and understand us because we get it, they don't. They either may need time or experience to overcome whatever that prejudice is. So I had to give my family time to overcome ignorance Right, I talk about giving people space to be ignorant, giving people space to ask all type of crazy questions because if if they don't ever explore, how will they know? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, you know, I don't have an issue like sharing and like people ask questions. You know, trying to answer them. You know, as long as they're not ignorant ones, you know, we can have right. a sensible right. conversation about it. Um, yeah. Don't ask but, me. You know, yeah. who's the man? Exactly, exactly, exactly. The same. Um, but if it's an intelligent, you know, just curious, you know, you want to get a better understanding of it question and we can have a conversation about that. Um, but it, it's true because you and I always say, like, you know, we've been with ourselves our whole life. Right. And how long did it take us to be OK with ourselves? Right. Years. Years. And so then when we go into that conversation, I think 
the main thing people are looking for is a willingness to understand, right? Like, I want to just see that the window is open for you to reconcile where you are today and where we could eventually get, right? But I think the rejection, the immediate rejection is like the hardest part. Um, But I think to your point earlier, like, you know, Black queer people and queer people in general are extremely resilient, right? We, um, when I always tell people, I'm like, listen, if, if you ever have the experience coming out or like dealing with uh, being different in this kind of way, there's not too much that really <laughs> affects you. Like there's not too much that can really get you because once you climb this mountain, you're like, look, whatever already, else. <laughs> I'm already gay in a Black America. I mean, what? what- what else is there right at that point so you know as 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 tough as the journey is once you are able to reach that ultimate uh level of being yourself and being out it is you know it's an amazing feeling for sure um but then you mr ben go the extra level and and come out in the root so (laughs) talk um, to me about this decision to not only come out in the paper but as a minister as well. Um, and picking back up that mantle, because for you, even in your journey, trying to reconcile the fact that like, you know, I'm gay and I'm a minister. I've been taught all my life that this is wrong. These can't coexist. So picking back up that part of you that is a minister and owning that and owning that you're gay and, you know, obviously innately you're black. So just talk to me about that. Like what, what, what was going on? Well, first, I want to say back to an earlier point is, you know, if you're a parent and you disagree with who God made your child, um, when they come to you, don't reject them. You may disagree, but be that space of safety. Be that space of love for them, because if they can't get it at home, they will go out and try to find it in the world. And the world is full of crazies ready to welcome them. There's so many young people who were introduced to prostitution, introduced to meth and drugs because they were rejected at home and was trying to find it out in the streets. I was trying to find it in bedrooms. And so if your child comes out, you don't agree, don't reject them immediately. Accept them, love them, and y'all talk through it. Um, that's so important. For sure. Uh, so my organization, uh, Be Me Community was doing a campaign called Black Men Love, hashtag Black Men Love. Prior to our campaign, if you Google Black Men Love, porn came up. We want to change. And so uh, we had our uh, Be Me geniuses and fellows and leaders who are Black men from around the country write about what they love, their job, their father, their children, um, their, you know, uh, uh, their calling, their purpose, whatever it was. And so... <clears throat> My team was like, well, why don't you write about you? And I was like, me? Mm-mm. <laughs> no, <Ellen>. sir. <laughs> and after thinking about it, I was like, well, Ben, how will you introduce yourself to the world? Because as a minister, unfortunately, I did preach that homosexuals were going to hell. I did preach that homosexuality was not of God. I did, you know, preach against the LGBTQ movement and marriage equality. It was me actually preaching against those things that uh, you know, caused me to realize that I was a hypocrite when people who knew me were calling me out and was like, well, like one guy, I was like, you know, if the people don't want mar- gay marriage, then you know, it shouldn't be. And he messaged me, so if I showed the people our text thread, what would they think of you then? And I was like, oh, delete, delete, delete. 
Um, and then there's a girl who uh, she caught me in bed with her brother years ago. And, and she messaged me and was like, well, what if I told the people what I saw you doing with my brother? Mm. Um, and, you know, there was, like I said, very clear. There was a guy who caught me um, in bed with his brother. And he messaged me too and was like, well, what if I told the people what you did with my brother? And that was a reality check. Like, well, Ben, you can't, can't be out here advocating against what you are. And so how was I gonna introduce myself to the world? And so we picked, thought about different publications. And I said, who talks to black people? Oh, The Root. And so pitched it to them and they accepted. And um, someone was like, well, how about you not just focus on just being gay, but focus on the core and the essence of who you are. You are a community advocate. You are a minister. You represent love. Make this a love story and wrote the story It was looked at by multiple people. Um, and we decided that uh, not only should I just come out, but I need to come out in my minister's attire to combat the very narrative and picture of what it means to be gay and Christian, which is, you know, you're going to hell. Uh, so how could I represent, no, you're not going to hell. This is actually a, a misrepresentation of God's word. And so most people weren't shocked that I was gay. Most people were mad that I was gay and in my minister's collar. Um, and I got thousands of hate mail when the story came out. I actually had a panic attack when it came out and I reached out to my pastor. He was like, well, what did you expect, Ben? <laughs> you, you are combating status quo you are combating thousands of years of rhetoric and belief what did you expect and it hit me wow this journey won't be easy the journey won't be beautiful the journey won't be because you are literally tearing down thousands of years worth of narrative hundreds of years worth of narrative of false belief and so it was crazy yeah it was as you say freedom is never free yeah, the, the internet broke for a little bit. People were arguing back and forth, celebrities arguing back and forth. I did interviews all over the world. Um, I lost friends, gained friends. I, I had some heated discussions with friends who were like, you know, we're out here with you too. My, my really close friend was like, bro, I'm losing friends too. I'm supporting you and I'm losing friends. We're all in this. And I was like, wow. So it, it's not just, it wasn't just my journey. A lot of friends who publicly supported me and reposted the article, they lost friends and connections too. So it was, it was nuts. And all because I'm expressing who I love. Like I never Crazy. understood why that is, that is so, I mean, this world is full of all time, you know, you, and I'm speak, specifically speaking about my family. You could come to the event drunk as a skunk, mm -hmm. um, high as a kite. You could come and just have beat your wife I mean, you could have come and- and Five baby daddies. I mean, all <laughs> baby in hand, and you announced <laughs> you got another one on the way, and nobody, nobody says anything. I. I mean, no one said, I mean, they like gossip about you in private or give you a look when you walk, but you're welcome. Child, don't let me try to bring a boyfriend. Don't let me walk in and try to be gay. It's an abomination. I, it, it never, I never really understood why it's such a big deal. Why are you losing friends because you promoted, 
you know, someone being their true self. It's just humans. I, I got started. Humans crazy. Are yeah. Crazy and weird. Yeah. It's all about what we're, what we're comfortable with. And unfortunately, um, the black community specifically is comfortable with broken homes and a lot of things that are not normal. Um, and we've just accepted them as normal. And, you know, some other stuff is like, Ooh, now nah, that's too far. Now you're asking me to go too far with that one, you know? Um, but that's why we're having these conversations and trying to, um, provide more understanding, uh, and provide more perspective for people to feel like this can be accepted just like everything else, you know? Um, so important that people understand the source, and I talk about it a lot in my book, which is white supremacy and colonialism, mm -hmm. which disrupted, if you really want to take a dive into understanding who you are and your people, start to research who you were prior to the Atlantic slave trade, prior to white people going to Africa, going to South America, going to the Caribbean, and disrupting our indigenous love, disrupting queer love, disrupting spirituality. This religion that we have today, this Eurocentric Bible that we worship from today is totally disconnected from African spirituality, which knew Christ, right? The Ethiopians knew Christ before the explorers went there. Religion was actually used as a source to do all of the uh, horrible, atrocious things that they've done. The Pope released the doctrine of discovery that said, if you come across a land and they don't serve Christ, you can go in and do whatever you want to. Essentially, that's what the letter said. And so the reason why black church is so different because it's mixed with our spirituality in it. It gets back to the root of being connected to God and the earth and being one with everything. And so there were African uh, lesbian queens who reigned together. There were African gay kings who reigned together. There were chiefs of native tribes who were gay. There were leaders in South America, gay and lesbian. And you know what actually, what really makes me upset is people act like this is not normal when one in 1,000 people are born on this earth, both male and female. How can you tell me it's one way or the other when naturally science says that you can be born both male and female? And you want to mm -hmm. tell me you, it, 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 when I found that out, I was really upset. Yeah. 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 Like all of this is normal. Being gay is, is normal. I don't know why people act like it's such a big thing when a child or a person like I'm gay. Oh my God. Gay people have been around since the beginning of time. And they don't want you. <laughs> so quit tripping. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want you. It's okay. Not, a not barking up your tree. It's all good. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 the craziest thing but that's why we're here to unpack this thing and yeah. help people get an understanding um so now you have a book um where you talk very in depth about your life your experiences um what is life like for you now um being very open very transparent a pillar for this community um what is life like for you now and you, you mentioned earlier, you, you wish you would come up, you've, you've done this sooner. Um, but talk about, you know, just those moments where you're like, man, like, I'm really happy that I did this. And I'm really happy that I'm free. So a couple of things. One, yes, I'm extremely happy. I'm free. I am the freest and happiest that I've ever been in my life. Um, people recognize it. They see it. They, the, 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 people who knew me then are like, you are nowhere near who you were. 
you know, back then. Um, uh, and it has caused me to really tap into the gift that God gave me. I think being gay and being queer in a world uh, where it is shunned upon um, is a gift. Um, you know, we are resilient, we're empathetic, we're creative. And what I've learned is, and I'm trying to get the world to see is the world thrives on black culture. Black culture is literally the heartbeat of this world. You can go anywhere in the world and listen to hip hop and R&B, mimicked around the world, black African-American culture. Where does black African-American culture get their rhythm from? Queer black culture, the, the, the house balls, the, the rhetoric, who's styling all of our favorites around the world, who's writing all of this music, who come, who, the gospel music, what, Who's writing all the gospel music, singing all the songs, directing all the choirs, queer people? Who's writing all the movies, all the TV shows? Tyler Perry, uh, Lee Daniels, um, you know, all of Tyler these- Tyler Perry ain't confirmed. <laughs> Lena Waithe, um, you know, all of these folks who are just, these are people who are, mine is Tyler Perry. These are people who are public <laughs> out, but there's so many people who probably aren't and who are literally the source of culture and entertainment around the world. And so um, I'm excited about exploring that more. I'm only out six, it'll be seven years this year, only out seven years. Yeah. I'm, I still got a lot <laughs> because I'm you know, such an advocate. People think I've been out my whole life. I'm like, yeah. I'm, too. I'm still learning. I'm still exploring. Mm -hmm. I will say I thought being out would, you know, spruce up my love life. It has it. <laughs> All humans are trained. <laughs> <laughs> Dating has been awful. Uh, but mainly because there's so much shame in being Black and gay. And if you don't deal with it, you know, in therapy, if you don't deal with it in counseling, you bring that into relationships, you bring that into love. And I realized most people haven't done the work to deal yeah. and so bringing all this fear into relationships. And so when I come across people who challenged their issues and trauma in therapy, it's like, okay, we can sit and talk. But, um, you know, overall it's been great. I have reached points that I would have never reached had I not come out. And I always say the universe can't give you everything that belongs to you if it doesn't recognize you. And the universe only recognizes truth. Anything that is based in fear, hatred, and lies isn't real and can't be sustained. Yeah, no, that's good. That's, that's really good. Um, so I know you talk to a lot of youth all the time, but um, to wrap up our great conversation, thank you again. Um, what advice do you have to your younger self so some young 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 gentleman or young lady that's out there struggling with the same things you struggled with um the family the shame the fear feeling like they're gonna go to hell all the things what do you say to the that young person one god loves you god loved you before you were even here and God has tremendous, tremendous purpose for your life. Your life was created and divinely created for only you. Only you can live your life. And if you live that life based on the opinions of other people, you will never reach your full potential. It gets better. 
I'm not telling you that life won't get bad. I'm not telling you that criticism won't get bad, but know it gets better because eventually you will find your tribe. You will find the people who love you. You will find the people who understand you. It may take a year, it may take five years, it may take one day. It took me literally one day of coming out for my tribe to show up. When my truth was revealed, my tribe showed up. And so find your place in this world and stay there. Uh, Oprah Winfrey says, there's two great days you have in life. The day that you're born and the day that you find out why. Know that you're not a mistake. You were made on purpose with a purpose and, you know, uh, forget everybody else. <laughs> because when we, when we leave this earth, it's only us. We won't have to account and answer to anybody but ourselves. And I would rather get to the end of life knowing that I've lived it to the fullest and not get to the end of life and see a whole screen of what my life could have been had I just lived my truth. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben. Tell the people where they can find you uh, with outlets, your websites, all the, all, yeah. the, all the jazz. Find me. Um, on socials at I Ben Carlton, Twitter and uh, Instagram, I B E N C R L T O N. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Benjamin Carlton Live. You can check out my professional website at theevansbrand.com. Theevansbrand.com. Awesome. Well, this is another episode of the Queerly Black Show. We've reached the end. Thank you so much to our guest today, Ben Carlton. I'm your host, Ashley. I'll catch y'all on the next one. <laughs>